Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Art of Understanding, an anchor weekly radio show. Welcome to my show. I am Murray Ilyu, your director manager, your host for Art of Understanding Connected. An anchor, an anchor radio show has been running for six years, interviewing you know, theaters and radio shows on art drama, the acting character, you know, with playwriters and actor with Tim Plizek, actress Maria Ilyu, Phoebe Muir, uh, uh, wrote the play, uh, the play Meltdown, adopted by Tim Plizek, and also uh, she's an actress, an artist, and a published author. Uh, today is Friday, June 30th, 2017. It's our last radio show with your director manager and your host, Murray Ilyu, for the Art of Understanding Connected. So, Maria enjoyed performing in character and as an actress on the radio show, interviewing people around our world, reading poetry, live on Mondays, the Mind Street Poetry and Music, and uh, the radio shows were uh, the experience for six years, and thank Leo and Charlie for my opportunities, and thank to Anthony for my first listener and supporting me. And as as uh, I started the radio shows as a co-host, uh, and then I learned to be a host onto the shows, and then learning to write my own scripts for the radio shows. And also, I also was a supporter host for other people who had opportunity to be a host or a co-host. And and then also the opportunities for, you know, for me performing as the Dixon character. I'm an artist, a poet, an actress, photographer, and as a director, manager, and more. So on today, we're having a special encore of on radio drama, Down. So enjoy your performance, and um, and and tune in to today's special show. Now, two weeks ago on Monday, on Lifestyles, the Mind Street of Poetry and Music, we had a special show to dedicated to Leo and Charlie and Anthony for the opportunities, everything they did, everything they're doing with Anchor. The International Tuesday of Peoples Awards worldwide, traveling, meeting new people. Um, it's just amazing uh, for all these years, um, for six years um, of uh, and more, where they, um, they've been running for over 15, 16, 18 years. But this is when they first started out until all the over 16, 20 years, it's the direction that is going to is just amazing direction. Um, and then, you know, meeting artists on the spectrum around the world, they meet with each other, everybody gives each other, supporting each other, and just showcasing artistic artists' works around the world is um, at the amazing event. And I had also an artist convention. So an artist convention means everybody's included and everybody, and also everybody takes part because everybody who takes part does something, that's what it works. So we're going to play a song by April, Cheyenne Goodbreak, and then play The Meltdown.
morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever wherever you, the listener, who is tuning in to Naturally Autistic Anchor Radio. And welcome to another episode of Radio Drama, the show about entertainment, enjoyment, eye-raising, and a myriad of other emotions as we bring you compelling drama, gut-busting comedy, and general pleasure for your Saturday morning, afternoon, or evening. And this show, like many others on Naturally Autistic Anchor Radio, this station, is brought to you by Naturally Autistic themselves, Naturally Autistic Anchor themselves, and the Gregory Coloro family. Now, for more information on Anchor and its upcoming events, slash programs, slash products, you may visit their website at www.naturallyautistic.com. And Anchor is also on Facebook with many Facebook pages. For example... On Facebook, there's Naturally Autistic Anka. There is Leo Gregory. And we also have Anka Promotes on, on Facebook, where you can go for all the latest news on Anka, Anka's events or, events, or just news in general on, the, on, the, on how the global autistic community is doing and what they're doing for advocacy. And Anka Radio, Anka, Naturally Autistic Anka Radio has a webpage there too, Anka Radio Shows. And, you can check that page out for the latest on what is coming up on the on the schedule for Anchor for National Autistic Anchor Radio, and also to to for, well just to find out. And also we've got, and also we've got we've got Anchor on Facebook, which is under and they're under the Naturally Autist Autist profile. So follow them under that profile. And I'm your host. Tim Polipiuk, broadcasting to you live from the Sunshine Coast in British Columbia, Canada. And with me today is my broadcast colleague, co-host Phoebe Muir from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Welcome, Phoebe. Thank you. Ah, Good to see you again. It's good to see you, too. And also joining us for today is Maria Ilyu from Long Island, New York. She's host of the of a weekly Monday uh, Monday radio show series, and has lent her acting vigor to our radio dramas for many for many times. So it's great to have her back, assisting us again. Welcome, Maria. Hello, hello. Yeah. Well, since we only have a limited time, we'll get down to today's play. Now, you listener will recall, on December eighth, two thousand twelve, we started our next serial play from a story by Phoebe Muir called Meltdown. Now, the show back then ended on a cliffhanger since we decided to split the story into two parts. Well, after a long absence, we are proud to be back and present the conclusion of Meltdown Volume 1 with Triggers Part 2. It's the world of Pearl Beckin, elven college student, an autistic young adult, and her battle with ignorance from all sides the medical establishments, the school system, and even even peer groups. But in order to fully under in order to fully understand the depth of this story, you'll need to listen to it yourself. So I've provided the link to the first part in the description of today's show you'll find on the site. And you can also browse the archives and look up Meltdown Volume One Triggers One on the, the December eighth, two thousand twelve radio drama episode in our archive system. So, regard, with regards to the play today, Phoebe, who are you playing today? Pearl Amy 
Aaron, Kathy, and Mia. Ah, that's quite that's quite a feat. And Maria, who are you playing? Dr. Gray and Amanda. Actually, Miranda Barry. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And I'll be pl- I'll be playing Kim and Devin and Devin Blood. So, in re- but in regards to the hospital bit, like we've been all we've been eluding. We've been alluding to the fact that that uh, Pearl eventually ends up in the hospital, but unfortunately that won't be covered until Volume 2, which will be coming soon to Radio Drama. But for now, here we go with the conclusion to Volume 1, which is subtitled Triggers, Part 2. Forward. The focus of this play is on the woman with Asperger's Syndrome, Pearl Beckin. She suffered a meltdown and was also diagnosed with bipolar disorder because it mimicked a manic episode. Also, she's the centerpiece, and there will also be shifts to other patients and the issues they face. I must note to you that while many of the events in the play are based on an experience I went through, the majority is fictionalized, especially scenes in the hospital. The names, personalities, and the quirks of people have been changed. Some from people I've known, some from pure fantasy. The main character has a set way of thinking, which is distorted by other issues like substance abuse. If someone has a related problem, please be aware of any triggers. As you listen to the play, you will gain an insight into Pearl and the other patients at the hospital. You will also come away with an idea of how an extended stay there affects their personalities. There will be a lot of discussion of psychotropic medications. No need to worry about medical jargon. Just keep in mind that Pearl is unusually knowledgeable about meds for someone in her age group with no background in this area. Finally, it's not entirely clear whether Pearl really had bipolar disorder or if her episode was some meltdown related to her overload. That will be up to you to decide and debate. Thank you.
Chapter 1, Consoling. Cassie, I think you need to catch up on what led to my current struggle. Sorry about that. The thought had it crossed my mind. It all started with the counselor. Then again, isn't that where all troubled, troubled student stories start? The past. The Elven Counseling Center was internally renowned for its open-minded, kind-hearted branch of staff. Externally, however, many found fault in areas outside of what they were trained to handle. Others were feeling the burn of an apathetic board of education and piling caseloads. Miranda Berry was one of the, la- one of the latter. Tall, yet demure, she sat behind her workspace in the cramped close quarters of her office. Eyes strained and neck craned forward, she was busy putting the finishing touches on a client report. Her lips shrugged, right hand buckling as it anchored her face's right side up. Already, the routine observations and conclusive statements dulled her to emptiness. Budget cuts and shuffling of caseloads to to the remaining counselors on the payroll foremost on her mind. Miranda's, uh, Miranda's own burgeoning responsibilities began weighing her down. Now all I have to do is type it out. Yeah, wait, not yet. I'm sorry. Finishing up it up with one last stroke, she rubbed her eyes and set it aside. Now, Maria. Now, all I have to do is type it out. She rolled her eyes in exasperation. How many rough copies yet to be typed she couldn't count on one hand alone. She glanced at the small aquarium of fish in the right-hand corner near the door. It broke the monotony briefly. She looked up and snapped out of her stupor. Common. Her latest appointment appeared, looking somewhat intense and ready to pop based on how she hunched back up. Hi, Pearl. I've been expecting you. Pearl Beckin, elven student who commuted, who commuted often to school by train has Asperger's Syndrome, very intelligent but prone to outbursts and inappropriate conduct. These bare-bone facts flashed often in the back of Miranda's mind, but she barely noticed, having noted them so many times. The Kathy issue, however, she willed herself to, to block out and analyze whether it, be appro- whether it be appropriate to address. Have a seat. She motioned to the chair meters away in front. Pearl nodded, neck craning and twitching randomly as she made herself comfortable. What? Okay. What's been happening lately? Pearl's hands 
sought shelter between her legs as she bowed her head down, nerves popping and crackling. Miranda's finely tuned tuned radar picked up on one of them. She eyed her her, her over carefully. You don't look good. Pearl almost rolled her eyes, or would have if the crackling in her nerves hadn't nullified the reflex. Tell me something I don't know. Miranda remained unaffected by the tone, having endured a fair amount over the over the years. Have you been taking your medication? Pearl craned her neck, twisted it to get a view of the aquarium. Miranda's school of fish changed their movement on the spot, reacting as if the thin glass were wrapped. The patterns, nonetheless, relaxed her tension and she turned back to address Miranda, eyes fully on her. Now, I stopped taking a Risperdal because it made me fat. Does Dr. McManus know about this? Yeah, we met earlier, and now I'm on Geoden. Don't mind me. My body's getting adjusted to it. Miranda made a note of it in her mind. Is there anything else troubling you? Stuff. Like? Just people. I don't get them. You mean your fellow students or people in general? Both. I I, I don't like how they're always going out of their way to misunderstanding me. How do they misunderstand you? Pearl clasped clasped her hands together. She hated this line of questioning, whether it where it always ended up. Misinterpreting what I'm saying, making asses out of you and me. Me? Assuming Oh, I understand. Did they think I'm Always acting incorrigible when it's more complicated. Well, Pearl, maybe you shouldn't put up. Maybe you shouldn't put so much pressure on them. Pearl felt a whiplash from that postulation, snapping her. I don't. They do it to me. Calm down, Pearl. Pearl rubbed her forehead, sniffling. She wasn't about to cry, but every single pent-up experience began climbing out, and it was all she could muster to contain it. It is clear you are extremely anxious. I'm going to recommend the school let you go for a week. No, for a few weeks. For the sake of your well-being. Pearl didn't react. Elected to sit and listen as Miranda zeroed in on another another thing she anticipated. But before we go further, one more question. How's Kathy? Pearl's Pearl's eyes met her lap. Fine. Does it still come up? A small silence came, 
followed by Pearl's lips and voice achingly forcing out an answer. Sometimes, but I feel better after talking. But if the voice tells you to harm yourself, don't hesitate to contact Dr. McManus. Pearl stood up from the chair, expression souring. I'll see myself out. Very well. You have a good day. Pearl didn't answer back and left the office in a huff. In the hallways of Elvin, Pearl's hard-edged stomps gave way to polite clacks on the, gro- on the ground as she spoke to herself. The voice tells me not to harm myself? Seriously, Kathy, Jesus Christ. I don't hear voices. Just exactly where are those idiots getting their degrees? From crane machine games? Besides, I think Miranda's so uptight. I don't need a few weeks to cool off. Now, feeling the futility of the earlier session in her bones, Pearl's footsteps grew erratic. There was another stream of overload manipulating her impulses. She drew on what what semblance of self-control, standing immune to the mutiny, using it as a guide to steady her actions and weave through crowds. But that was soon trounced to to oblivion when she passed a pair of young women and felt her hair stand on end. Pearl peered over her shoulder and recognized the snobby, demeaning expressions they shot forth. They shot forth execution style. Their exasperatingly formal apparel, also eye-scorchingly distinguishable. She looked straight ahead again. Oh, crap. Her feet picked up the pace, and she instantly forgot about her overload. Just what I needed, Kathy. Those two Christian sheep and their ego-parting gift. Chapter 2. Losing My Religion The first of many things on my plate came from those two women in my biology class. You'll understand, Kathy, why I chose to drop it once you heard the story. They were Amy and Kim, known on campus as founders of a club called the Faithful Few. Strict evangelical Christians Much of the elven student body never imagined they'd be proud to own the label of born again after recently accepting Jesus Christ into their lives without question. Their membership, as its namesake suggested, was minuscule. Aside from Aaron, Pearl's friend, the rest consisted of Amy and Kim themselves. But that little flaw never seemed to figure into their conscience so long as their preaching took center stage. In the beginning of the semester, Aaron suggested she and Pearl connect with them, 
During off periods, when Pearl's schedule and mental state had been agreeable, she'd shoot the breeze in their dorm room. But during those little get-togethers, Pearl couldn't take her eye off their walls. Every section was covered in posters and pictures related to Christian symbolism, sayings, and even rock bands. However, however she spotted the corner of another poster peeking through in the, underneath one of them. wonder what shame they're hiding behind it. Kim, revel- reveling in her domination of the conversation, dragged Pearl back into it. Like, hello? Could you please, like, pay attention, Pearl? This is, like, so important. Pearl rolled her eyes. They can do two things at once, you know. Kim scoffed, wind escaping from the left corner of her mouth as she continued. Now, like, where was I? Oh, yeah, how totally dumb of me. I was, like, just wondering, like, what it would be like, like, if I had the the chance to, like, rewrite the Bible. Pearl snickered. (laughs) It would be like, it would be like ending up being 2,000 pages long with all these likes. Erin laughed once but clamped her mouth shut as Kim's scowl rendered her, rendered her a complete doormat. You know, like, this is so blasphemous. Can't you take this seriously? This is God's word we're talking about. Sorry, but I'm just pissed off at God right now. I don't see the point of worshipping him if it ends up screwing me over. Amy and Kim glared at Pearl. Aaron tensed up playing the neutral party. You are so going to burn in hell for that if you don't, like, change your ways, man. The only way to heaven is to accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Right, like, treat myself like a helpless, incompetent nincompoop unless some mythological being takes over every aspect of my life? No, thank you. Like, please. Don't, don't worry, Pearl. Like, God will forgive that garbage mouth of yours, won't she, followers? Amy nodded obediently. Aaron laughed an awkward giggle, now wishing she could just crawl away. Like, God can, like, kiss my ass, and you, like, can chum up with him? I got better things to do. Pearl stormed out of the dorm room, slamming the door behind her. In the evening at her house, Pearl mused over the over the scuffle while regarding the empty rat cage on her desk. Too bad about Catherine Ratoy and Nurse Ratchet, Cassie. I could use their company right now. So I can't get over how eerie it felt to to me watching Catherine die first. Just looking at Nurse Ratchet's reactions and the changes in her attitude, I nearly found it unbearable to witness to the point where I was relieved that Catherine Ratchet finally kicked the bucket. Why did it throw me for a loop, that pattern? 
she gave the cage a little stroke, playing the bars like a, like a xylophone, when the phone rang on her desk. She picked up the receiver and pressed talk. Hello? Hi, Pearl. It's Amy. Pearl's throat tightened. Oh, hi. Listen, about today... I know, I know. Sorry about that. I hope you're not mad at me. Don't mention it. Kim realized she pushed too much. <laughs> then hell has frozen over. The two women <laughs> left. The two women left before carrying on. There's Ratchet. My second rat died recently. Oh, sorry about that. Don't worry. I was kind of relieved, to be honest. Why? What's that? I don't know. It just freaked me out when Catherine died first, and the other one was pondering away. Oh. Any reason? Can't think of any. Not then and not now. But as she spoke this sentence, the taste of lead spiked her gland. <sighs> Amy, I need to take a break. I don't feel well. All right. Just call if it becomes too much, okay? I will. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. She pressed off and hung up the receiver. Pearl lit up a cigarette from the from the package in her back pants pocket, chain smoking the pain away. <sighs> my fault, uh, my fault. Uh, I shouldn't have mentioned the rats, Cassie. You don't you don't learn these these things until they happen. <sighs> like an impeccably choreographed beat, the phone rang again on her last word. This startled Pearl and she took a hasty puff, blowing out fast and coughing. <laughs> Placing the cigarette in her ashtray, she picked up the receiver and pressed talk. Hello? Pearl! It's Aaron! Oh, hi. Oh, hi, Aaron! Hi, how are you doing? Not bad. Yourself? I was in a rough patch, but I'm coming out. That's a relief. You won't believe who phoned earlier. Was it Amy? Pearl froze, lower mouth hanging halfway. Uh, how did you know? Because I told, told her to check up on you for me. How did the conversation go? Good. She apologized and said Kim went too far. That sounds like great news. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I wanted to talk about. I'll see you tomorrow. All right. See you then. Bye. Bye. She pressed off 
what was so lost in what Aaron mentioned about Amy that she lost awareness of her hand placing the phone back on its back on its receiver. She picked up her cigarette and took further puffs, blowing them out steadily. That's odd, Kathy. Why would Aaron do such a thing? If she had a problem, she could have mentioned it earlier in school. Or were they keeping tabs on me for their own personal benefit? The last assumption made her face turn a slight red in consternation. It stayed with her all night and even into the morning. After breakfast and having gotten herself prepared to leave in, uh, to leave in her bedroom at 7 a.m., the phone rang again. Again? She placed her backpack on top of her bed and picked up the receiver, pressing talk. Hello? This is Kim, Pearl. Kim's voice had a subtle sneer behind it. Kim? What is it? I just wanted to tell you, like, nothing has changed. You're not allowed into our club anymore. Why? You said things were going to be okay between us. Having someone who doesn't believe in God is so not right. It, like, goes against our ethics. Pearl bit her lip. Ethics? The faithful few have, like, serious standards, okay? Your kind isn't welcome. Suddenly, Pearl's body language snapped. You know, God wouldn't approve of of this at all if he existed in the first place, you self-righteous bitch. And he would definitely not appreciate your bigotry. What you, like, call bigotry, little girl, we call his word and all that. You guys are pathetic excuses for Christians. And you, like, are so the pathetic excuse for a model citizen. You're so going to burden hell if you keep this up. Why would you, like, care anyway if you don't believe in God? At least being an atheist is better than being a close-minded bigot. And stop using Jesus as an excuse to judge. Well, let me see. I'll, I'll consider it. Not, and since you're so into giving advice, I've got some for you. Ask God to forgive you of your sins, and then you can go to heaven. Pearl's right hand squeezed the receiver hard. Oh, one more thing, as a, like, parting gift. Talking to yourself is so a sign of possession from the devil. Look into that as well. Goodbye. A loud click made Pearl's neck snap back. She pressed the off button and slammed the receiver down. Pearl's mind clouded into obscurity as she became a whirlwind of impulsive reactions. Yelling, crying, she took it out on her personal items like tearing down her, her poster of Resident Evil. knocked her cup of pens over and snatched a dry erase marker up without, fi- without 
without thinking, and she jumped to a nearby into the nearest wall and scribbled satanic symbols all over as all over as many empty spaces as she could. She inserted Grand Theft Auto 3 into her PlayStation 2 video game console. She sobbed as she played, beating up random people and stealing vehicles. were just the beginning of of what was coming my way, Kathy. Now I can how can I forget Devin Blood? God, what a bastard. Earl returned to Elvin the next day, worse for wear, and unable to con- and unable to concentrate on her assignments and tasks. All because wherever she went Students started giving her nasty looks in passing. A few even mocked Pearl's tendency, tendency to talk to herself with, Hey, Pearl, how's Kathy? While snickering graduated to guffaws of laughter. To top it off, Kim and Amy were her classmates in biology. This gave them ample opportunity to shun her outright by refusing to partner with her for projects even when requested by the professor. Pearl begged for respite. She found it in Devon Blood. Now, Devon Blood was another of Elvin's outcasts. Rambunctious, with no care as to whom he offends when speaking his mind and possessing mental issues of his own, he and Pearl crossed paths on campus during another off period. Pearl was sitting alone, solitary, having a snack under a tree, when Devon sauntered up, wagging his chin like a dog's tail. Hey, good-looking. Pearl looked up, mouth stopping mid-bite. Seeing Devon before him was puzzling, but deep down, she expressed a pining for his company. Hi. Devon flashed a disarming smile, the campus clown without his makeup. Heard you were having problems. Basically. Ah, who needs them anyway? Almost all this this school is insane. You should really stick with people like me. That's so. Hell yes. We're both peas in a pod, you and me. In fact, he pulled up a pile of grass and sat near her. We're both alike in some ways. It's a wonder why why we never got together in the first place. Pearl grinned. <laughs> Pearl grinned, taking another bite of her snack. <laughs> You're right, aren't you? You're right. You're Devin, aren't you? The one and only. And your Pearl. Correct. 
Well, good looking. Look no further. From now on, the two of us are going to seriously fuck with this establishment. Pearl shivered mischievously. Looking forward to it. <laughs> From then on, the two were inseparable. Everywhere Pearl went, Devin wasn't far behind, and vice versa. The news of their union reached every corner and cranny of Elvin. Though it hardly made the teasing and tormenting recede, Devin's confidence and retaliation skills boosted her confidence for the first time. Devin also made sure to give Kim and Amy a dose of, a dose of mockery returned in full for the damage they, they were doing to Pearl. While walking the halls one day together, both Pearl and Devin spotted Amy and Kim hanging out against the wall. Eyes wide open with grandiose ideas, Devin turned to Pearl. Watch this. He sauntered with a swagger towards the two women, stopping some meters in front. Hey, God lovers! Amy and Kim looked up, but they were unfazed as Devin's reputation hardly escaped them either. They knew he was a troublemaker and were expecting a wallop. As always, Kim answered back. And what do you want, freak show? Devin's Cheshire cat grinned and grinned turned serious as he glowered. I'm a, I'm a heretic. Would you like to be a heretic, too? Kim sighed angrily. Like, get lost! This only encouraged Devin, and he spread his arms out, slanted up, and hands open palms. He bowed his head. Jesus Christ was a sadomaso kiss. Suffering for our sins. Oh yeah. Oh feels good. Hail Mary. Hail Mary. Yes, yes, yeah. Sin. Sins of the Father. Ooh, baby. Ah, ah. This time, Kim and Amy responded with disgust and left in a huff down the hallway. Devin lowered his arms and raised his head. Cheshire, Cheshire cat grin returning. That's right. Run, little chickadees. Don't let, your, don't let your hypocrisy hit you in the ass on the way out. In the distance, Pearl watched with pleasure. But deep down, even she began to realize that this was one step too far. It wasn't the only time Devin acted out. Whenever mild disagreements came between outsiders and the two of them, he flagrantly flaunted his rebellion in their face, much to the discomfort of Pearl. Sure, Pearl had problems with the student body, but Devin's form of retaliation seemed way too trigger-happy at times. This caused a rift to form between them. Their relationship wasn't the same since then, since as they began since they began quarreling since now they began quarreling with each other. But what scared Pearl scared Pearl the most was Devin's rage. It peeked out at points, and she cowered in its presence. It's what, it's what led to the breakup that occurred when they met again on campus grounds. Devin? What? 
we need to talk. About? Our relationship. Seven's eyes narrowed. Why? What's the matter with it? It's not working out. I want to break it off now. There was a low growl in Devin's tone when he, re- when he responded. What, ma- what made you change your mind all of a sudden? Look, I have no love for this garbage dump, but you're acting like a total asshole. Oh, funny how now, now it's troubling you when in the beginning that's what attracted you, you to me in the first place. Well, you're... You were putting me on, so the responsibility lies on you as well. Oh, 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 I get it. Blame blame everyone but yourself. Then sponge off of me so you don't have to fess up to your issues. What issues? Devin rolled his eyes in annoyance. Give me a break, Pearl. You You don't think I hear things? I know all about your little Kathy thing and unstable mind. I may be screwed in the head, but I don't talk to ghosts. Pearl backed away, but not in fear. She sized Devin up and down, and up and down, ready to, ready to break his paper-thin pride. For your information, Kathy's not a ghost. Secondly, who gives a shit whether I talk to her or not? Thirdly, whatever issues I have is none of your goddamn business. Devin laughed. <laughs> That's rich. Opening up your shell and clamming up and bitching about it afterwards. Talk about dishonesty. You reap what you sow, Peril. Fair warning. At least I know when to keep it to myself. You always turn your freak show up to eleven. And you turn your freak show up to infinity. And you turn your freak show up to eternity. Oh, yeah? Well, you turn your freak show show up to douchebag ludicrous speedy. Pearl's, uh, Pearl, Pearl's eyes blink. What the fuck does that mean? Look it up. Devin stormed off, leaving Pearl in befuddlement. Douchebag, ludicrous, speedity, Kathy? Little did Pearl know the, pri- the price she'd pay for setting off a firecracker like Devin. The first action to make Pearl realize her mistake was immediately palling, palling up with another girl out of spite. Pearl heard the news from a student who was the girl's cousin. But she had expected it, considering how aware she was of of Devin's immature emotional state. But later on in the evening, one night at her home, she, she found eight new messages on the answering machine. The number flashed repeatedly on the display, like a radar blip. Huh? She walked over and pressed the play button. You have eight new messages. Hi, Hitler! Hi, Hitler! You have seven new messages. 
See you in hell. You have six new messages. Segregation always. Segregation forever. Segregation always. Segregation forever. You have five new messages. I put a spell on you, and now you're mine. You have four new messages. You will be my slave. You will speak only when spoken to. You will piss only when I say it's okay. You will eat when I tell you to. You will walk when I tell you to. I've got your name. I've got your ass. You have three new messages. George W. Bush will prevail forever. He will rule the world. Democrats are dead. Obsolete. So obsolete. You have two new messages. Riddle me this. Riddle me that. What makes Pearl that shit insane as a bat? Ha! One new message. The best... The best part of you, the best part of you ran down the crack of your mama's ass and ended up a brown stain on the mattress. You have zero new messages. The messages, combined with recent times where Devin would follow her throughout the hallways, caused Pearl to contact the police. Uh, However, these solutions led to nothing except for a report and an insistence on watching over Devin, then contacting the department again. Chapter 4, Cold Turkey. The duress these, situation, these situations combined together put Pearl, putting, that, that put, Pearl, uh, put Pearl under breached her limits, and she reacted by writing emails that were, her, that were her way of crying out in desperation. These emails reached Miranda Berry, her counselor, as Miranda skimmed each printed-off copy the school board sent her. Pearl tried to reach peace of mind by staring at the aquarium of fish. Though the pattern still attracted her thought process, the noise of Miranda's paper shuffling and the anxiety of, of, assumption, uh, broke, of assumption shattered the zen she begged for. Pearl, these emails seem personal. Are these experiences true? Pearl faced Miranda, eyes wandering. I'm being stalked by Devin, and there's two Christian girls, Amy and Kim. They have gotten the whole school against me. Why didn't you come to me in the first place? I wanted to handle it on my own. Pearl, that's not healthy. There are some things that can only be solved with help from experienced people like us. Pearl scoffed silently. She's heard that she heard she's heard that line numerous times. Anyway, now that you're here, I see to it. 
that these matters are addressed. Thanks, Jess. Is there anything else you want to tell me? I cut myself. This nearly made Miranda fall out of her chair. What? When? Pearl's throat about just about dried up. Uh, um, about about two months ago, before the semester started. Does Doctor Gray know about this? No. What was the reason behind it? Some Elvin students accused me of stealing money when I went out drinking with them. And you didn't do it? No. Okay, Pearl. Well, address this another time. But for now, I have a suggestion for you. I am going to recommend the school accept you as an editor for their paper, an lecture, circle activity with an with other, uh, with other like-minded individuals is what you need. Pearl's lip curled at the idea. Sounds like a plan. As far as Devin, Kim, and Amy are concerned, I see what can be done. But do your best to stay away from them and focus on your studies. Okay? Okay. I also tell Kim and Amy about your Asperger syndrome, about your symptoms, and the angle should make it easier to stop their teasing. Pearl, uh, Pearl groaned under her breath as, as she walked the halls after the session. The emotional stress hit her again, and she had no choice but to sit on a bench. Nearly falling into it, Pearl rubbed her eyes. Why are people like her so defensive and PC about autism? It's a social learning disability, Kathy. I find it offensive when people make my condition out to be a disease. Because it can be a strength, too. She was interrupted by a familiar voice, very reassuring. Pearl? Pearl looked up. Standing before her was someone she really identified with. Another another girl, but who coincidentally went by the name of Kathy, and she was a butch, butch, scrappy, roly-poly woman with short, curly, honey-blonde hair and Coke-bottled glasses. She was the resident coordinator at Elvin. Kind-hearted, genuinely understanding, she was the perfect person to have on Pearl's side. Kathy! Kathy sat beside her, and they exchanged an affectionate hug. You look like shit. I know. So what's up? Those Christian girls, Kim and Amy, shunned me and have gotten almost the whole school against me. Plus, Stephen is stalking me for breaking up with him. Hold the phone. 
You actually had a relationship with that psychopath? I was under a lot of stress and needed a shoulder. Pearl, I'm offended. You know damn well that there's no other person in the world who would give, who would go to bat for you than me. Kathy said it with every fiber of being in her body, making Pearl pay attention. I'm sorry, I forgot. (laughs) Hey, just teasing. Don't mean to harp on you about it, but please, Pearl, I'm here for you. Thanks. With Kim and Amy, oh my God. Those two need to grow up. They act like they're 13. Tell me about it. And Kim just turned 21 for Christ's sakes. No, she's 18. Ah, whatever. Listen, I'll most certainly talk to them and see if I can give Devin a piece of my mind while I'm at it. Please do, Kat. I'd appreciate that. No problem. You're going to be okay by yourself? I'm fine now. It's been great talking to you. We'll do it more often. She raised herself up from the bench, creaking her fingers. Time to get serious. You look after yourself, Pearl. I will. See ya. Same here. Kathy waved playfully, then walked off, out of sight. Pearl's troubles had melted away that moment, just thinking about her, about Kathy. That would have probably been you, Kathy. She's so much like how I imagined you would turn out if you were still around. It didn't take long for the results to fall into place. Kim and Amy were reprimanded by the reprimanded by the school, told to stay far away from Pearl. In return, Pearl decided to drop biology class as, regardless of the trouble they were in, she believed it best to put as much a distance between them as possible. For Devin, his stalking and harassment grew gradual, then stopped altogether. All in all, it looked as if things were turning around for Pearl, thanks in part to, to the new to the new position as editor on the school paper. One morning, however, a new obstacle was set in place when she stood in front of the bedroom mirror after a shower. Naked, she looked her body over and was aghast at the sight of her stomach. What the hell? She kneaded and felt her skin near, uh, over near the gut, and it stretched pretty far before snapping back. It was more fat than she had expected. She stepped on. She went over to her, to her. She went over to her bathroom and stood on the weight scale and saw that she had indeed gained some girth. Oh no! She rushed to, to the. She rushed to the medicine cabinet and opened it up. The Respidel Respidel pills in her right hand, she eyed it it over, accusingly. You bastards! I knew it! Fuck. 
am. I'm not going to spend one more semester looking like a goddamn blimp. Her decision felt right at the time, but the consequences came swift and fast. She began to experience serious withdrawal symptoms, hot sweats, and even had to run to the bathroom and strip off her clothing in, in a stall because of how thick the material felt all of a sudden. Not since she was a child did she take such actions, nor suffer the, nor suffer the lead in, lead in towards it. Breakdowns became more frequent, and she began to hallucinate. Many days she looked around and sensed a second, a second shadow following her own, her own on the floor, an exact duplicate. This shadow only added more flame to, flame to these. Uh, to the anxiety, and it wasn't long before assignments and schoolwork suffered. Coincidentally, she, found, she also found herself back in the office of Miranda Berry, fidgeting and barely able to look straight in her eye. So about the cutting. What about it? Can I see the scars? Pearl rolled up her sleeve reluctantly. Miranda gasped silently as the color of those scabs were still were still dark as prunes. This is really serious, Pearl. I'm going to have to call Dr. Gray and have you see me once a week from now on. Actually, I just remembered something. I, I did tell my therapist about the cutting incident. Miranda let go and glared at Pearl. But you said you didn't. Well, uh, um, I forgot to say so. Well, I'm letting Dr. Gray know anyway. What's the number? Pearl recited the number feeling weak in the knees. Good, because this is really concerns me. Once Dr. Gray was contacted and the information relayed, an appointment was set up to which Pearl had to attend. She hated being there in, his, in, in her office, all of which had to do with the different colored walls. She figured this was Dr. Gray's way of forcing co a confession out of patients. At least it seemed so to her, what with how oh, they forcibly drilled her brain. I received a phone call from the Evelyn College counselor informing me that you cut yourself again. I know. I'm sorry I didn't tell you. Why didn't you? It just slipped my mind. Honest. If there's one thing I don't like is patients intentionally maxing their circumstance, you should know better than that, Pearl. Uh, I just said it slipped my mind. If it did, you wouldn't call me. Eventually, but you didn't. So how else am I going to Paris this? Pearl looked at the floor. 
anything to keep to keep the ugly colors in Dr. Gray's piercing scowl from digging deeper. We have an agreement, Pearl. If you are hurting yourself, you come to me. Violent, this only makes it worse. All right, all right. I'm also going to inform document. I also going to inform Dr. McCannis. He needs to know about this development as well. Okay. Well, now that you're here, we might as well make the most of what time remains. So, what else do you want? What else do you want to talk about? And from there, Pearl revealed her inner struggles and the events that led to the session. Anyway, Cassie, the people at Elfin are either flaky, burnouts, arrogant, stuffy crackpots, or self-righteous, born-again Christians. So you can't blame me for feeling mentally spent the majority of the time. Now that you know, I think we'll just turn things back to now. Thanks for listening. Chapter 5, Instant Gratification. succulent flavor of her, fa- of her father's gin washed away whatever pain dominated her nerves. She was lying on her bed, playing video games fervently. Fingers furiously dancing around on the controller, she was trying to drive away the thought of another incident that served to cause a complete relapse. The past. Pearl sat on the toilet seat in the Elvin College women's bathroom. After working on her Spanish work at the cafe, the panic attack struck shortly afterwards and was so quick she was lucky to have found the nearest bathroom before stripping down to her undergarments in the stall. Her mouth began moving rapidly, random sounds and intonations sliding out of control. Jesus, this will take so long. Not good. She wrapped her arms around her chest, breathing rapidly. (sighs) The breathing exercises worked their magic, and with one last sigh, Pearl looked straight ahead to the stall door. I'm not sure how long I can keep this up. The attacks are getting worse, Cassie. What what else can I do? She stood up quick when the sound of tapping outside the stall door echoed along with the voice of Aaron. Pearl, is that you? The stall door opened slowly with a creak, and Pearl saw Aaron standing, standing there. Aaron's eyes looked her over, but her pupils stayed surprisingly level. Oh, not this again. Aaron, please, go away. I I don't want you seeing me like this. 
You're always acting up. Can't you exert more self-control? You wouldn't understand. Of course I don't. Never have and likely never will. Just as she was about to leave, Aaron faced her again. Who were you talking to earlier anyway? I uh, talked to myself when I went sometimes. You shouldn't do that. It's freaky. Even if I whisper? Yep. Just leave me alone. Fine. Live in your own world. Your rules. And your prerogative. Leave me out of it. She put both her hands up in defeat and left the bathroom. The present. sped off out of reality into the three-dimensional world of her video games. Her father's gin began and began to numb her mind, making her reflexes tipsy. After losing too many lives, she threw her she threw her controller down and let the game run by itself. Another appointment with Dr. with Dr. Gray soon came, and Pearl tried bringing this, this up with her. about my quirks. They all are they they all are over at that school. Some people get spooked easily when they hear someone whispering or talking to themselves. It's a fact of life. Dr. Gray, please stop trying to make me normal. I'm proud to have Asperger's. If you want to fit in you have to make the effort to conform to norms. Fuck that shit! But weren't you always talking about the importance of fitting in? Not with those stuffy crackpots from Elvin. I'd rather fit in with the cool people like the ones at Beaver University. But you're not in Beaver University at the moment. So maybe it's better to shift priorities a little. Like you're the one to talk about priorities? Priorities are just a polite way of saying, do as we say and shut up, not do as we do. Dr. Gray observed her body language and noted the darting eyes. You have been getting increasingly Agitated over the past several weeks, your nerves are raw. No shit, Sherlock. Well, this is something you should take up with Dr. McManus. I'll get in touch with him. Yada, 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 yada. Predictable. Pearl got up and moved to the door. Keep feeding the system, doctor. There was only one last resource to draw from. A childhood friend named Mia. Back back when Pearl was little, Mia was her first friend in the whole in the world 
partially due to the fact that she was a little quirky herself. Pearl's mom also knew her parents, and they got along great. Then high school happened, and they both went to different districts. It didn't stop them from visiting each other, however, or even phoning. And then with the advent of the Internet, they used that, they used that as, a, as a way to communicate. But now, in the present, they preferred online communication due to their already hectic schedules. Pearl contacting... Pearl contacted her, her, contacted her via, via IM on her parents' computer in the living room downstairs. Screwdriver cocktail nearby. She was well prepared to end the chaos, end the chaos with pleasant company for once. Hi, Mia. Hey. What's up? Looking up Greyhound bus schedules. Cool. Are you going anywhere? I'm moving. Where? California? But that's so far away. I know. Where? Why are you moving? I mean, when are you moving? Real soon? How soon? A couple of weeks? Oh. You know, it's not too late for us to hang out. Want to visit before I go? No, that's all right. You sure? Positive. Okay, I have to go now. So soon? Yeah, got a lot of stuff to organize. So I'll be pretty busy for the next few weeks. Well, good luck. Thanks, Pearl. Bye. Bye. Pearl Pearl logged off, sinking back into her chair. Distraught, she took the cocktail and gulped it all down in one blow. <coughs> Rubbing her mouth, she got up from the chair and waddled over to the kitchen. The effects of the drink made the surroundings blur and distort. She opened one of the drawers and took out a knife then proceeded to move towards the couch in the living room and sit at the very edge. Raising the knife, raising the knife with both hands, she was ready to end it right then and not there. But all of a sudden, she felt a gentle hand touch them and a quiet, heavy voice answer beside her. Don't do it, Pearl. Pearl let the hand lower her, lower her both her own. The knife slipped out and landed on the carpet when she when she turned to see Kathy, Kathy Beck, Beck, sitting beside her on the left. She looked exactly like Pearl in in physical makeup and expression. The only difference was the perpetual smile and bright eyes bright-eyed sparkle that rang out every time time that every time pearl that pearl wasn't capable wasn't capable of producing herself Kathy 
Things are tough, I know, but they will get better. How would you know? You don't know what it's like since you're not around anymore. True, but that doesn't mean I haven't been watching over you. And what I've seen is said, you shouldn't let yourself suffer so much. Too late. It's better this way. Well, you have every right to think so, but please hang on for my sake. The last thing I want is someone very close ending their life prematurely because you have yours ahead of you. Earl then heard heard the sounds of a baby crying in the background. This sensation seemed to dry her tears as they no longer flowed so prominently. I guess so. Kathy put her put her arm around Pearl's shoulder. I know so. The touch of Kathy's skin lulled Pearl to exhaustion. She lay down on Kathy's lap as Kathy stroked the bristles in Pearl's hair. I'm tired. I'm tired. Then sleep. I'm right here always. Thank you, sis. Pearl's eyes closed tight, and for the first time, she slept soundly on the couch for a, for a period as her sister nurtured her dream, dreams to life with every stroke of Pearl's hair.
And that was Meltdown, Volume 1, Triggers, Part 2, which is the conclusion to Volume 1, a serial play of Phoebe Muir's own design, written by her and adapted by me, Tim Polipiuk, for radio drama format. Now, let's honor our musical selection first before we go on. We have, as a theme, Marilyn Manson with Antichrist Superstar. And next, there's boy, there's the boy band, Backstreet Boys, with Quit Playing Games With My Heart. Now, from the Japanese side, we have Nubu Yuimatsu, that's the best way I can pronounce it, with a Crazy Motorcycle from the Final Fantasy VII original soundtrack, the video game soundtrack. And we have composer Angelo Badalamenti contribu- contributing the Laura Palmer, which uh, for the Laura, Laura Palmer theme from the TV show Twin Peaks. And we have actually the, song the movie Black- the movie Twin Peaks, I think. Actually, it's from the TV show. Okay. Yeah. And the the, it has a movie, it's a movie as well. Yeah, the song Last Resort from band Papa Roach makes an appearance on this soundtrack. And finally. We have Blue Flow from Japanese group Heart of Air. And that's our eclectic selection, and it's brought to you by Phoebe Muir herself. And she even liked my idea of of ending the play with Blue Flow after after much thought, so we ended it that way. Oh, I forgot to say the end again. In regards to the source material itself, I was faced with tough decisions. One difference with this adaption are the cha- are the, the chapters, the various chapters, because in the original material, the, all the everything that happened in the past was one giant chapter. So I thought, yeah, it one giant chapter, and I had the idea to split each event into separate chapters, just to take breaths in between for both mind and 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 and, and body and acting. I also had to make some sacrifices. So I, so what I did was I focused on the three main experiences. The, the major ones, the Faithful Few group, which was Kim and Amy, Devin Blood, and, and the counselor, Miranda Berry, and it was followed up by Mia and Dr. Gray. These were the main elements, and I decided to cut out other parts that veered off the path since we didn't want to spend too much time in the past. The addition of Pearl opening each chapter from the past was, was a reason of guidance for the listener. Now, for you, the listener, like you may have likely forgotten what happened in the previous episode. So I added these opening narratives so you wouldn't be too lost. Now, the relationship with Devin was changed a little as well. In the original, Phoebe met him way back further than, the, in, the, than in the adaption. I wanted to amend this just so we can have some justice served, or Devin's version of justice, or his own brand of justice, towards Amy and Kim for sh- shunning Pearl. But I also wanted Pearl to witness this and realize her form of justice differed significantly. One of the factors that led to her breaking off with him and was something to build her up, build her up instead of, a, instead of a make her passive all the time. And also give a bit of character development. And there's also the matter of Pearl and the college itself. Now, in the original, Pearl used to have a dorm room there. But for convenience... I kept the fact of Pearl's community to college alive like I did in, did in, the, fir- in the first part. It was a lot easier for Pearl just to have people phone her or contact her at home than to just you know, go back and switch back and forth, and forth in, the dorm, in different dorm rooms. 
And we have Kathy, Kathy Beckin. Well, listener, finally you know the identity of this girl and how she figures into Pearl's life. But only partially. There's still, there's still the question of when Kathy, Kathy left the world or died, the, circumstance, the circumstances and how it really affected Pearl to this point. You likely got the hint of Kathy's death by, by, the subtle hint, by the subtle hint dropped with Pearl's dead rat. Yeah, in the original, they died at the same time. However, I wanted to have Catherine the Rat die first and trigger Pearl's foggy memory of, of Kathy Beckham. Wretched the Rat, left behind and, die, and, slowly, and dying afterwards, also served as the perfect meta, metaphoric simile for the root of Pearl's current state. Now, having Kathy Beckham actually appear in the end was always on my mind. Because, again, I, thought, I, thought of a, I, always, I go back to a client I worked with who also had a twin sibling that died and how it affected his emotional state and, re, and reactions. Plus, I also incorporated the folklore of uh, twins having a shared consciousness from, uh, a, from Eastern Asian culture and, and movies, even, even in depth. Well, that's what I'm, and those those are the amendments for the material. So, what do you think, uh, Phoebe? Well, I mean, it helped me understand um, where you're coming from. Um, there is an, um, some other things I want to add. Um, uh-huh. um, in your episode, you were um, I noticed you had Pearl hallucinate that she saw Kathy, and yeah. when she was on Jiadun, um in the original book, um, Pearl did not hallucinate or or hear voices or see shadows. Um, she just um, talked to herself, but not to Kathy. And yeah, that, yeah, that, that too. I, that was also stated. That was also stated in the, in the original, but I didn't want to give away the Kathy thing until now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she wasn't um, hallucinating, and. Um, the way people teased her was different than how. I mean, they never asked her how Kathy was. Well, yeah. That, that, again, like when, now that I had Kat, uh, Kat, the Kathy thing incorporated, I thought incorporate that that as well, sort of like a sort of like a. And also, Devin kept yeah. stalking and stalking. He never stopped. Yeah, I know. It's just that I know there were more there were more incidences in the original. So. Uh, but again, but again, uh, since we uh, since we uh, since I only uh, we only intended it for two parts, there had to be some sacrifices. Uh, anything anything else you want to add, Phoebe? Anything else you you any other things? I think that's it. Oh, good. Well, what what do you think um, anyway? Well, I I thought it was really good that you had Devin do. I mean, pick on the sisters. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, that's what I want. Yeah, because that's that. Not only did I want, like Amy, like someone, like I, like I wanted to have that, have that as sort of like his own brand of justice, but also not the like, sisters, but the the faithful few, and the dialogue of the faithful few was really good. Yeah, I, and, and, the, and the, yeah, added, a good substitute. I forgot to add that. Yeah, I added more dialogue and stuff to things that were a little brief in the original. So, so, Maria, what did you think? I, I think the play was very good. Um, I was, um, I enjoyed the play, 
and playing my uh, characters as a doctor and also as a counselor for Pearl. What do you guys think of the counselor, the counselors trying to get Pearl to be normal and get rid of the quirks? Um, it, you know that. Yeah, it has a lot. It has a lot of, you know, in that one. You can make, um, I think if they were able to work and help Pearl in a different ways and then trying to say to be normal. So if she had, you know, counsel her in a different way of maybe maybe helping her with communication, how to communicate with the other girls and to know what phrase to say so she's able to fit into this way others don't, you know, make fun or uh, to tease Pearl. And this way it will help Pearl to feel more comfortable in her in her college, you know, experience in her settings, you know, in her classes with the other people. Yeah, I think those people definitely need a response to be responsible on how to handle Pearl as well. But, uh, I mean, and to understand Pearl and her situation. But also, you know, there. You know, it takes two to tangle always. Pearl should not always be the one blamed. I mean, of course it's shown that they were both guilty in various ways. Maybe yes. if they had, like, a group, like, work it out, like counseling work, Pearl and the three people and a faithful few work out their differences together. Yes, and if yes, if it was done differently, that I think that um, helped you more in other ways, that you were able to feel more connected with your counselors and more trusted. So this way you're able to share what's going on before you um before those um before you did those things to yourself. But also Yeah. Yeah, but also there's also an additional layer that I worked in. Remember when I mentioned about cut, about in the beginning uh, with the uh, Miranda Berry facing cutbacks and overload of case case loads that you know, with the apathetic board, board there, that also played into, you know, how how the counselors handled it as well. You know how people have trouble with multitasking? Yeah. Um, you know, well, the more you cut funds and the more you um, the more you cut funds and all the stuff that people do with businesses, the more people are fo- forced to multitask. And, and multitasking, in a sense, is like ter- opening up tons of files on the computer, and then the computer gets overloaded. And that's not, not just to, with autistic people, but typical. Well, not to mention, not to mention, Phoebe, uh, Phoebe, you you also have people taking on responsibilities that responsibilities that were filled by others that they they have no that they that they have no experience have no experience in in handling. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and that, that's what the cutbacks do. And then they won't. And then more people fall through the cracks. Exactly. So that kind of, but it also played into how, into how the counselor, a counselor like Miranda Berry, for example, tried to address address Pearl, um, Pearl as well. So it's sort of like an additional layer that I thought I'd add in there. In the real situation that it was based off, um, uh, um, we um, the counselor who was, Miranda Berry was based off, she was yeah. new. And she oh, was yeah. blindsided. Um, oh, really? What happened was the, um, there was two counselors who offered me a job, but then they just left um, oh, really? and found That's other it? jobs. And the brand-new counselor was blindsided to being my boss and didn't know how to handle me, and not just that, but but I was in dealing other words, with the crisis. Have, 
didn't have the necessary information to support your support what you needed, right? Yeah, she was basically working blind. Ah, uh, there you go. So there, so there's a and there's a real experience right there. But you and know, that's but what you people know what? are forced to do a lot. Yeah, I feel like. But you know, well, you know what, Phoebe and Maria, like we haven't we haven't even come uh, haven't come close to the hospital bit yet. So, listener, that's the, I know this is the first volume of Meltdown, but we and again. Our second volume will be coming soon, and that and there's going to be even more stuff that Pro's going to face, and we're going to, we're finally going to get to the hospital bit, and as well as the other patients that you allude to, right? Right, Phoebe? Yeah, like the patients, the way the patient, the the stuff that the patients go through, will clue in what people have to deal with a lot in the world, whether having mental health issues or not. You know, it's. They have to deal with physical health issues, and they deal with um, economy issues and, you know, making ends meet. And it just talks about how it puts a toll on their mental health and just being treated like crap. Yeah, and so, yeah, that'll be... The and falling through the cracks. There are a lot of them are marginalized. Yeah, and we'll we'll be exploring that in the second volume of Meltdown. But until then, I just want to thank—I want to thank you, Phoebe and Maria, for for contributing to the show, and this, and I want to give a special salute to Phoebe, to Phoebe for your developing skills as a writer and musical coordinator. You're doing great. Um, thank yes. you. I hope to get them published. Oh, the you book, will eventually. My book published. Well, I'm you sure will I will. Eventually. I'm working on Create Space. Good. I was, yes, it was. It's wonderful, Pro. Good luck to that. I hope you get published. It will be be very exciting. Um, you know, it will be under a pen name, but I'm not going to say who it is. Okay, yeah. That's a surprise. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's our show for today. and uh, so, But tune in tomorrow, listener, for Stand for the Bear with Tim and Thilo Steinbrook. And don't forget to subscribe to Naturally Autistic Magazine as well. So visit naturallyautistic.com for more, for more information. So... This is Tim Polipiak, Phoebe Muir, and Maria Ilya wishing you well, and we'll see you next time on Radio Drama. Goodbye, everyone. Say goodbye, folks. Good night.